Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. Have you ever wondered what kind of impact one person can really make on the world? Do you struggle to know how you can really make a difference for the gospel in your current circumstances? Well, our current series is entitled Change. Will you let God use you to change your world? Please listen in as Pastor Lynn shares about the life of missionaries you may never have heard of and how their faithfulness made a significant change in their world. Here is Pastor Lynn. You can see we've got about um, about one-third, uh, I guess, of what we would normally have. Uh, probably had about half what we normally have in our first service. Uh, but th- that's okay, uh, because we, uh, we're going to gather together to worship. Hopefully, uh, most of our, our people are joining us online. We recommended some do that. Uh, but what I want to do to begin with this morning, before we get into the message, is, is honor the request of our president, that is, for this to be uh, a day of prayer, a time of prayer uh, also. So uh, I'm going to invite you just in a minute to come and uh, pray. And, uh, and I want to ask you whether you can kneel or not, maybe make some move uh, a little bit closer. Um, uh, that I know of, I don't have the coronavirus. You don't have to sit on the back row, you know, and uh, you can come and, and sit up here closer uh, with us. But uh, guys, there are several things we need to pray about in in this regard. Uh, There are people because of uh, this taking place uh, in the closing of our our schools for a couple of weeks. Uh, That's going to really impact a lot of families in needing child care. Uh, It's going to impact the the finances of uh, of some people, not just in the school system, but where there have been other uh, closures taking place. Uh, It's affecting our economy uh, also in uh, in various ways. Uh, But there are people that are authentically sick, uh, people we need to be concerned about, that uh, God would uh, heal them. Uh, we need to ask God to uh, uh, just eradicate this virus, guys. I believe He can do it. I, I believe just by this by this evening it could all be gone if it's His will. At the same time, you know what? Uh, many times in the Bible, if you'll read in the Bible, He uses such circumstances to speak to people and get the attention of cultures and get the attention of nations. So maybe God is doing that through this also to cause people to to turn to Him and uh, and recognize they need to to look in His direction. Uh, I think we need to pray this. I think we need to pray with all the concern that people have. And this will be part of the message a little bit today. It wasn't intended to be. I finished this sermon that I'm preaching today two weeks ago. So I kind of didn't know the application that some of it might have uh, for this morning. But we need to recognize that we've got the opportunity as the church to give hope to people. We've got the opportunity to, instead of us being controlled by our fears, to be controlled by our faith and to exhibit that in a way that other people will, will see the need to trust in Christ. Uh, I know the coronavirus, a lot of concerns about that. I'm not trying to minimize it, but there's, there's a virus that started in the human race when Adam and Eve chose to sin that's affected every bit of the human race uh, all through history. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. And there's also a solution to that virus, amen. Uh, And that's the blood of Jesus, the fact that he died on the cross. So we need to pray that more people uh, turn to him. Uh, I also want us to pray for our country and pray for our leaders. We're told in the Bible to do that. Uh, there's a lot of finger pointing and things like that uh, that has taken place. And uh, we just need to pray that no one will use ulterior motives or anything like that and pray God uh, would move in our government and move in our nation. Last thing I want you to kind of think about as we pray, and uh, that is there are multiple churches uh, across our state and probably other states also, but the ones I know about in our state who are church plants, who are mobile churches, who set up and tear down in public schools, in universities and college, they have nowhere to meet today. Sojourner Church in Concord that our church is helping to sponsor, uh, they have nowhere to meet today. Uh, the Bridge Church at Western Carolina University, where my son Jared plays on the on the worship team, they have nowhere to meet today. And they're meeting in the pastor's home, uh, doing acoustic worship, and then they're broadcasting out from the home uh, to everybody there. Uh, so, guys, we need to pray for them. That's a great discouragement for them. Uh, it can impact them in a lot of ways. 
uh, even losing people where, you know, people say, well, I'll go somewhere. I can go to worship. It can impact them financially in a lot of ways. So I want you to pray about that. And uh, it's already been mentioned. We'll take our offering up at the end. Uh, guys, the primary reason for us to stay faithful is it because of anything having to do with a virus or not have a virus. God just asks us to give and, and to be faithful. But that being said, practically speaking, we probably will have some greater needs if this situation continues uh, in our community to where we'll need to be positioned in a way that we can help people. And that's just an additional reason for us to be faithful and, and give. So I want to ask you, anyone that wants to come and kneel, will you please come and kneel? Uh, and if you can't do that, maybe just make a move and come forward a little bit. And I suggest maybe just stay forward a little bit, you know, make me feel like you're, you're here with me uh, during the service. And, and let's go to the Lord in a time of prayer. Father, as we, uh, God, as we come before you, we want to recognize your full authority and recognize your omniscience and that you're never caught off guard. You're never caught by surprise by any circumstance that happens in, in our world or anywhere in the universe as far as that goes. Uh, Father, you're an all-knowing God. Uh, you're an all-loving God. You proved how much you loved us by sending your son to die on the cross. And, and Father, we just... Uh, we want to approach you with the awareness that you are all-powerful. We can't inform uh, you about anything whatsoever uh, regarding this coronavirus issue that's taking place in our country uh, or any other issue that's taking place uh, in our nation. Father, you are already know. You've always known. But, Father, we want to come before you and pray because you, you petition us. You tell us. You, you command us to come before you and pray. Father, you tell us in, in your word in Timothy that we're to pray for those in authority. So, Father, we do that this morning. We pray for our president. We pray for other people who are in authority. We pray for the people that he's appointed to uh, help be and oversee this initiative with the coronavirus. Uh, Father, we pray that you bless them, that you keep them safe. We pray you give them discernment and give them wisdom. Father, we pray for all of our political leaders, regardless of party. Uh, Father, we just pray that you do uh, bless them and that you move in such a way in our hearts that we can have the, uh, uh, the peace that we desire to live in our country, the freedom that we desire uh, to worship in our country. And, and Father, we just pray you move in, in such a way that protects that. Uh, Father, I, I pray for so many people right now that have been uh, uh, reacting out of fear. Uh, Father, guard us as your people that we don't react out of fear. Help us to react in, in, in faith so others might see it, so others might uh, be pointed uh, to you by seeing the, the, the faith that we have in you, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing. Uh, Father, those that are sick and those that uh, may become sick in this, God, just, uh, Lord, be with our medical field. Uh, Father, help them to uh, uh, come up with solutions. But beyond that, Lord, you're, you're the great healing physician. You have all power, all authority. And Father, we pray that if it's your will, you just sovereignly deal with this uh, virus. We pray you move in such a way that all the scientists and everyone else will, will, will be shocked by it and have no explanation of where we can point to heaven and, and, and say it's because our God moved and, and because he cared and he loved and he did something uh, about it. Uh, Father, uh, God, I pray for our own church and help us to uh, uh, seek your face and maybe solutions to how we might need to approach things in our worship over the next few weeks. But Father, I also especially pray for, uh, for many church plants that I'm aware of and those that I'm not that have lost a place to worship. Uh, Father, I'm I know how I feel just about the information we had to put out about trying to limit attendance and things like that. Father, I can't imagine 
the, the, the chance for them to assemble being completely taken away. And right now, they don't have a solution. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they'll meet. So, Father, we pray you open doors, whether it be through other existing churches or whatever it might be, that these churches might meet in this uh, uh, time period of uncertainty. And, Father, they can get together and, and worship you and focus upon you. Father, I pray especially for Sojourner Church, and I pray for Corey's heart. Uh, Father, I know how he's feeling in this, and I pray for the Bridge Church and others. And God, just uh, encourage them and move in their midst and uh, help them to glorify you through this. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would turn to Psalm uh, 67, and I will read through those verses in just a minute. Psalm 67 is actually kind of referred to as a, uh, a missional psalm or a uh, missionary psalm. Uh, some people uh, look at it as though you can read some things that we're going to focus on today and kind of get the heartbeat of God uh, for missions. So that's going to be our focus, not just that there's a heartbeat of God in this text, but we want to uh, hopefully ask this passage to speak to us and give us more of a heartbeat for missions ourselves. The missionaries that we're going to talk about, because in this series, we've been uh, looking at different missionaries, hoping that what they did and how God used them to change their world uh, would uh, encourage us to be more used by God, encourage us that uh, we would ask people to, uh, to, to trust in Christ, and we'd be more missional ourselves. Uh, so that's our, our heart cry this morning, that you and I would, would view how we as individuals, how we as Day 3 Church uh, need to be more missional as we look at this psalm, as we look at the uh, life of John and Betty Stam. Uh, let me give you just a little bit of background, then I'll return to that some through the message. Um, John Stam, uh, John Cornelius Stam, was born January 18th, 1907. Uh, his uh, wife, uh, Elizabeth Scott Stam, born Elizabeth Scott, uh, but she was born February 20th. 22nd, 1906. So this is kind of the time period that we're talking about their life. Uh, John and Bessie both were raised in strong Christian homes. John's parents operated a, a mission in Patterson, New Jersey, entitled the Star of Hope Mission. From that mission, uh, there are scores of young people who were converted to Christ and who felt the call to the mission field. Through this one mission that his parents operated, there were over 40 different language groups in the world impacted because of people going through this mission and being called uh, to go out on the, uh, the mission field. Uh, Betty, on the other hand, uh, her parents were missionaries in China. So she was growing up as a missionary in China until she left to come back uh, to the States to go to college. Uh, John became a Christian when he was 15 years old uh, at the mission that his parents were operating and a blind evangelist was preaching the message that day when he came to faith in Christ. So let's just give you a little bit of, of background uh, about them. Uh, Betty also had four other siblings, and all four of her siblings, including herself, would answer the call to be missionaries. At age 18, uh, Betty wrote these words, uh, Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my own desires and hopes, and accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all utterly to thee to be thine forever. Fill me and seal me with the Holy Spirit. Use me as thou wilt. Send me where thou wilt and work out thy whole will in my life at uh, any cost now and forever. So uh, I don't want you to be taken by the fact that everyone, uh, don't think from this that everyone talked in Elizabeth in England in 1900, uh, you know, the year that she was writing this. Uh, matter of fact, my computer uh, gagged on it a little bit. I typed thy and it kept putting in they. Uh, the computer didn't understand Elizabeth in English. But that's not what I want you to see. What I want you to see is this. I want you to see the commitment of an 18-year-old girl to more or less just say this, all that I am, everything I ever will be is yours. Think about that type of commitment that she had. And how much better would, would our lives be if we would have that type of commitment uh, ourselves? John and Betty uh, met at Moody Bible Institute. Uh, 
uh, when they were both going there. They met and they fell in love. She was a year older and she graduated first. So uh, uh, in an autobiography, someone kind of joked, well, she robbed the cradle just a little bit, not much, uh, since he was just a year younger. Uh, but they, uh, they fell in love. She graduated. She went to the mission field in China. Uh, John had to wait another year to graduate, and then he went to the mission field also in China. They were separated for about a year because of where their missionary assignments were located, and then as soon as they were able to come together and be in the same area, uh, they married on October 25th, 1933. Their daughter, Helen Priscilla Stam, was born in September of 1934, and she would only be three months old when both of her parents were martyred. They were both murdered because of their faith. They were martyred because of their faith in Christ. At the time of their deaths, John was 27 and Betty was 28, and they died together. They were murdered publicly. They were beheaded publicly by Chinese communist soldiers on December the 8th. 1934. And you'll hear more about that story in a few minutes. Psalm 64, the title or the heading that probably most Bibles have sets the tone for what the Psalm is about. When it it says, make your face shine upon us, a lot of Bibles will have that as, as the heading. Think about that for a moment, how God has made his face shine upon us. Man, he's made his face shine upon us in multiple ways, through creation, through our sustenance, through so much that that God has done for us. But, But here's the main thing I want you to get. The primary way God made his face shine upon us is this, by sending his son into this world. Amen? Because here, God in the flesh, his face was visibly, physically in this world, shining uh, upon people, showing people what God was like, showing people the the love that God had for them. And if you want to see the greatest fulfillment of the love of God, nothing compares other than looking at the cross and what Jesus did for us on the cross as he shed his blood on, on the cross. That's God making his face shine upon us as fully as we could ever think about God shining his face uh, upon us. Nothing shows God's grace and blessing more than God's face shining upon us. Let's read together Psalm 67, verse 1 through 7. I want to invite you to stand, if you would, in honor of God's word as we read these verses. <clears throat> May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah, what's that little word most of you know uh, meant to pause and hesitate. Think about what was just said. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. And once again, that little word, Selah, stop and think about what we just read. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Thank you. You can be seated. Have, Have it in mind that many people view this psalm as a missionary psalm. There there have been a lot of missionary efforts throughout the world connected with the gospel, connected with the call that, that God has given us. When you read in the Bible, you can see God's missional heart, even as he uh, brought about Adam and Eve, and he told them to multiply. You can see God's missional heart as he called Abraham and Isaac and others to come and follow him. You can see the missional heart of God in in Moses as as God sent Moses to lead his people out. You you can look at uh, the life of David. You can look at the uh, other kings and the uh, prophets and uh, the judges in the Bible, and, and we can see God sending them because God had a a, a great missional heart. But guys, here's the truth, and I think everyone here will have to agree with this. There's never been, nor will there ever be, a more extravagant, a more expensive, a more extensive missionary effort than God sending His Son. Amen? That's the, the most extravagant, greatest missionary event that's ever happened in history of time. God sent his son into this world. And John and Betty Stam believe that. And God gave them a missionary heartbeat themselves to go 
to China. And what I hope we can do today is look at their lives in this psalm and gain a more missionary heartbeat ourselves. Missionary heartbeat number one is this, found in verse 1 through 3. Missionary heartbeat number one is that God's salvation must be known among the nations. God's salvation must be known among the nations. That's God's purpose. That's God's design. God wants his gospel to be known. He wants his salvation to be known among the nations. Verse 1 through 3 again. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, he law, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. I want you to notice three things out of those three verses in regards to God's salvation. First of all is this, that the nations need to experience God's grace. The nations need to experience God's grace. The, the psalmist here writes these words, God be gracious to us and bless us and, and make his... Uh, face shine upon us. May God do that. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. The, the word they use it there in the Hebrew for being gracious is a different word than what we use in the New Testament. The word here in the Hebrew about being gracious gives the idea of a superior stooping down to give favor to an inferior. That's a pretty good picture of grace, guys. Guess who the superior is? God himself. Guess who the inferiors are? We're the inferiors. Well, we're the ones that have sinned. We're the one that's inferior. And God in his grace reached down uh, to us through Christ, his, his son. So, so we need to make this same prayer active in our lives. God, God, be gracious to us. God, help us experience your grace in a greater way. And then the, the psalmist said, bless us. And that refers to God kneeling to man as a benefit, where God's going to kneel down and bless us. And then the psalmist said, make your face shine upon us. And that phrase literally means, God, turn your face in our direction, and God, let us realize that you are looking at us in a luminous way, that we're experiencing your presence, that we can see the very shine shining face of God uh, upon us. And then that little word she lost says, stop and think about that. We need to stop and think about asking God to be more gracious, about us experiencing God's blessing in a greater way, about, about us asking God, God, we need your face to shine down uh, upon us. See, this was originally a prayer the way it's written. It was a prayer that God would do this in order that all the rest of the world would take notice, in order that all the rest of the world would see that we have experienced the grace of God, that we as believers have experienced, as his people has experienced his blessing, that we have experienced his face shining upon us. It was originally a prayer that God would do that with his people Israel, that, that God would so be gracious to Israel, that God would so bless Israel, that God would so shine his face upon Israel, that all the rest of the world would take notice, that all the rest of the world would be uh, have their attention attracted to the fact that God had been so gracious and had so blessed and had so allowed his face to shine upon his people. But guys, we need to pray the same prayer. We, we need to be praying and invoking the same prayer. We need to pray the same prayer in our lives as individuals and as the church in this day. We need to cry out and, and, and say, God, give us more mercy. God, God, help us to experience more of your grace. God, God, may your grace and mercy be so evident in our lives that others will be drawn to you. The nations need to experience the mercy and the grace of God we've experienced. The nations need to experience God's favor in his face shining upon us. They need to experience that in his favor shining upon them. And that's why that little word says, stop and think about all that we've just read. There's a pause there. Stop and think about that. How much do you and I need to say, God, may you be more gracious to us. God, may you bless us greater. God, God may your face so shine upon us that others may see. That, that others may be drawn to you. That's the point of this, and we'll get more into that in just a moment. Guys, like I said a moment ago, I, I worked on this sermon two weeks ago. I didn't know, we had heard about the coronavirus, but we didn't know exactly our circumstances would be what they are. Think about the pandemonium that's been taking place. Think about the fear that's taking place in our culture. Yeah, I mean, people are just, you know, going crazy to get toilet paper and things like that. I, Becky showed me a picture someone sent from Sam's Club last night. You know, that big, long meat aisle that always has meat all the way through it all the time? There was nothing there. <laughs> it had all been completely wiped out. 
We, we have people right now who are so fearful that they, they, they don't even know what to do. They're, they're so fearful. Nine millimeter bullets, by the way, I happen to see online. They, you can't hardly find them right now because everyone fearfully has gone out and they've stocked up, you know, just in case they need to defend their homes from uh, marauding people coming in. You know, that's the mentality that, that they're having. See, here's, here's the thing about that, guys. We have an opportune time to be the church. We have an opportune time to say, God, make it evident that we've experienced your grace. God, make it evident that we've experienced your blessing. God, make it evident that you have shined your face down upon us so the rest of the world may see, and we can point the rest of the world to him by faith and try and Get them to look in his direction and think upon him and trust in him if they've never done so instead of being so so fearful. I didn't know two weeks ago that this would have any kind of application like that, but we need to pray that God bless us so other people will see. John and Betty Stam had experienced God's mercy, grace, and favor shining upon their lives, but they wanted the people in China to experience that also, and that's why they, why they went there. Second thing about... People in the world needing to know about God's salvation. The heartbeat for missions is this. The, the, the nations not only need to experience God's grace, they need to know God's way of salvation. They need to know God's way of salvation. Look at verse 2. That your way may be known on earth, and your saving power among all nations. That phrase, your way may be known on earth, really means something like this. God's, God's will, God's purpose, God's course for life, the way God wants us to live ought to be seen in the earth. And not just God's will and God's purpose and his course for life. He, he said that your saving power also would, would be seen, would be known among the nations. God, here the psalmist is writing saying, God, go back to what we were saying a minute ago. See, the little word that points back to what we just talked about. That, God, because you've been gracious. God, because you have blessed us. God, because your face is shining upon us. Uh, God, we pray that that will happen, that your way, that other people may know your way in the earth the way you want the, the earth to go, the way you want people to live in the earth, and that other people may know your saving power among the nations, that you have saved, that you have worked in the lives of your people. Verse 2 is called a Hebrew parallelism, and it teaches this. It teaches that God's blessings in the lives of his people is for the purpose that his way and salvation will be seen by all nations. Now, let me apply that a little bit more directly. If you're not careful, if you start listening like the, you understand what I mean by the health and wealth crowd in, in, in our world and in, in our culture, that aspect of the church, it almost sounds like, well, we need to seek the blessings of God just so, man, just so we'll have those blessings, you know? So we'll be rich and we'll be healthy and we, we just need to seek it for ourselves. That's not what this verse is teaching. This verse is teaching that you and I ought to pray and say, God, be more gracious to us. Help us experience your grace at a deeper level. God, bless us. God, shine your face upon us, not so we can consume it to us. Our prayer ought to be this. God, bless me, but not about me. God bless me in order that you can use the blessings that are evident in my life, the blessings that are evident in the church, that you can use that to attract people to you, that you can use your, your grace and your mercy and your blessings in our lives and within the church to cause people to see that they need the same Christ we've trusted in. That's the point of the message. That's the point of what he's saying here is he talks about God's way and God's salvation being known among the nations. It's God's missional heartbeat that the, na that the nations know his powerful way of, of salvation. In other words, you can say it like this. We are God's people who have been redeemed. We need to live God's desired course for our life. In other words, we need to live like we're saved. The world needs to see us living like we know Christ as our Savior. And as we live like that, and it becomes evident to them that we know Christ, all nations might know by seeing God's way and salvation active in our lives. Know they need to trust in the same God. <clears throat> we don't like to think about these things. 
but there are over 6,900 unreached people groups in the world today. That represents 2.8 billion people who have little or no access to the gospel. Guys, I don't think we can be comfortable with that. Can you really be comfortable with that? 2.8 billion people that don't even have access to the gospel. Betty Stam, in a letter to her brother, wrote this. No one can force a single soul, so called Christian or heathen, to turn to Christ. All his followers have to do, all they can do, is to lift, lift up Christ, is what it should say, before the world. Bring him to the dingy corners in the dark places of the earth where he's unknown. Introduce him to strangers. Talk about him to everybody and live so closely with and in him that others may see that there really is a person such as Jesus because some human being proves it by being like him. God help us, but we need to return to that mentality. You know what happens mostly in the church in America? If we were to weigh in a balance, if we were to add up the time and how we use our time, we spend more time congregated together than we do taking the gospel to the dark places and the dingy places. We, we spend more time just meeting together and kind of huddling together as believers than we do carrying the gospel where someone's never heard it, where someone needs to hear it. And guys, that needs to change. If we're so concerned about our culture, you want to know what will change our culture? Our culture will be changed by the gospel of Christ one person at a time as they come to faith in Jesus. It won't be changed by us crying about it and moaning about it and complaining about it. The only thing that's going to change our culture and our world is one person at a time coming to faith in Jesus. We need to get beyond just spending the majority of our time huddling together. And we need to understand there are places that don't have access, even in America, to the gospel because they have bought into the fact that we don't care about them. And they're huddling in their places of lostness. And we need to be willing to take the gospel to them. This was found on a trampled piece of paper in their China home after they were executed. Betty has scribbled down these words. They were not her own words. They're the words of somebody else. But here's what she wrote. Open my eyes that I may see. This one and that one need in thee. Hearts are dumb and satisfied. Lives that are dead for whom Christ died. Open my eyes in sympathy. Clear into a man's deep soul to see. Wise with thy wisdom to discern. And with thy heart of love to yearn. Open my eyes in faith, I pray. Give me the strength to speak today. Someone to bring, dear Lord, to thee. Use me, O Lord, use even me. Now that's a poetic form of simply saying this. God, help me to see the lost. Help me to see the people that need you. And help me to be the one that tells them. That's all she was saying in that poem. And she had written that down and was found in the floor, trampled on in the home after they had had died. Third thing that needs to be seen is this. We talk about the nations and the missional heartbeat of God needing to see a salvation. The nations also should express God's praise. Verse 3 said, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. That same theme would be found in verse 5. Though the word praise is a word that we saw a few months ago in a different message, in a different series that I was doing. The word praise is a Hebrew word that means to throw out the hand. It means to throw out the hand almost like you're throwing a stone into a a, a puddle and watching all the rivulets take place. It means to throw out the hands in worship, to throw out the hands to, to revere God. Guys, that's what we need to do more of. We need to be willing to praise God no matter what's taking place. I think on that same Sunday, I use the same analogy. No matter what the circumstances are in your life, what you as a believer needs to do, what I as a believer needs to do, what we as a church need to do, in regards of coronavirus or anything else that's taking place in our culture, we need to kind of be radical about this. We need to say, in regards of what's taking place, I'm going to throw a stone of worship right in the middle of it. 
I'm going to throw a stone of worship and praise, and I'm going to praise God no matter what's taking place in our culture. I'm going to praise God no matter what's happening in my life. I'm going to praise God, coronavirus or no coronavirus. I'm going to praise God anyway as the thought that's being given there. But in the context that he's talking about praise here, he's really saying this. Because there are people that have been blessed. Because there are people that have experienced God's grace. Because there are people that have evidently had God's face shine upon them. Because there there are people that know God's way of salvation. Let the people rejoice in the world because they are saved people living like saved people acting like saved people, acting like people of faith. All the rest of the world needs to praise him. That doesn't mean everyone's going to be saved at all. We read this several weeks ago in another message. Look with me at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 12. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. What we're given a picture of here is a future worship service in heaven. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beasts. And they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Not everyone will come to faith in Christ, but we are told in the Bible that from every language and every nation and every tongue, people will come to faith in Christ. And they are needing us right now in the midst of this coronavirus all across the world with people so focused upon what will we do what can we do guys the world needs us to be the church the world needs us to live by faith the world needs us to live in a way that communicates to them we've experienced the grace of god we've experienced the blessing of god we've experienced god's face shining upon us and we need to live in a way that communicates that to a lost world because they need to see it they need to be part of that every tongue and every language before the throne one day in the future. John Stam wrote this to one of his brothers. Take away anything I have, but do not take away the sweetness of walking and talking with the King of glory. It is good to let our thoughts run away with us sometimes concerning the greatness of our God and his marvelous kindness toward us. Looking back, what encouragement we find for the future. What wonderful leadings and providence. Oh, bless the Lord, my soul. Do you understand what he's saying as he writes those words? He says, sometimes it's good to just let our thoughts be so taken by our relationship with God. To let our thoughts be so flooded and so consumed with what God has done for us that nothing else matters. And that we're so consumed with what God has done for us. We look back into the past and see how God has blessed us. We look into the future and realize that same God is on the throne and that same God can bless us. How many here can say God's blessed you sometime in the past? Can you say that? You've been blessed by God sometime in the past. Guess what? He's still the same God. Amen. He's on the throne today. Amen. And the same God that blessed you in the past can bless you right now in the midst of this coronavirus. And he can bless you in the future. And we need to hold of that, and we need to communicate that, and we need to act like that before, before a lost world. Missionary heartbeat number two is this. God's righteousness must be known among the nations. God's righteousness must be known among the nations. His salvation must be known among the nations, but his righteousness also must be known among the nations. Look at verse 4 and 5. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. And there's that little word. Think about what you just heard, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O Lord, and let all the peoples praise you. O God, let all the peoples praise you. I want you to notice two things there, and then we'll move on. We gossip about a lot of things people do in their life, don't they? People gossip in the world. You want something to gossip about? Here's two things we ought to gossip about God. We ought to tell other people about God. We need to tell the nations God is a God of justice. We need to tell the nations, warn the nations, but also tell the nations that God is a God 
of justice. Look at how that was phrased in verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For, (laughs) see, this doesn't fit in our mind. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the people. Most people would think, I'm supposed to be happy about that? I'm supposed to rejoice about that? I'm supposed to sing for joy about that? The, The word glad literally means to brighten up. Sing means to sing for joy, to, to shout for joy, or to creak for joy. Some of you think, I can't sing. Don't ask me to sing. Well, it means creak. You can creak. I can creak. God's the one that's listening. You're not trying to impress somebody sitting beside of you. Let the nation be glad and sing for joy. For you judge peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. God pronounces judgment, but he does so with equity or righteousness is the way some translations put it. The the word there means level or or straightness or justly or or rightly. God will always judge fairly, guys. That's how this makes sense. Most people aren't going to say, hey, yes, I'm I'm glad I'm going to brighten up because God's a judge. I'm going to sing with joy because God's a judge. But you've got to get the full picture. We can be happy and we can sing for joy when we understand God is the righteous judge. And that means he always judges things fairly. You've heard the phrase before, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That's true, guys. God is not going to judge you differently than somebody else. God is not going to be like some kind of judge in this world who who judges you because you don't have much in your life. And this rich person over here goes free because they've got a lot. And the judge is treating them differently. That's not the way God functions. The reason we can rejoice and be happy that God judges righteously is that we have the awareness of this. God will always do what's right. God will always judge in the right way. God will never be unfair with you. He'll never be unfair with me. He'll never be unfair with anybody upon the face of the earth. God's judgments are always righteous and always correct. And for that, we ought to be joyful. And for that, we ought to be willing to rejoice because his judgments are always correct and always right. Betty Sam wrote this to her parents. I don't know what God has in store for me. And she wrote this early on before she was married. I, I really am willing to be an old maiden missionary or to be an old maid anything else all my life if God wants me to. It is clear as daylight to me the only worthwhile life is one of unconditional surrender to God's will and of living in His way, trusting His love and His guidance. See, the Bible didn't just say that God always judges righteously. It said He guides the nations upon the earth. And Betty was saying, I'm going to trust God to guide me. If I live alone all my life, it's fine. If I never get married, it's fine. If I'm just a missionary off by myself, it's fine. Because she's saying the best thing could happen in my life is just to serve him. It is just to follow him. We also need to understand that the missional heartbeat of God about God's righteousness is, is, is this. We need to tell the nations not only God is a God of justice, but we need to tell the nations God is worthy of praise. I'm not going to talk a lot about that because we already talked about being worthy of praise. But verse 5, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Guys, we, we ought to be praising God in the midst of whatever we're going through, as I said earlier. And we need to do it in a way that leads other people to praise Him, that leads other people to, to look to Him. We need to communicate by our lives and by our words the praise and the value that we have of God in our lives. Missionary heartbeat number three is this. <clears throat> Missionary heartbeat number three is that God's goodness must be known among the nations. Three missionary heartbeats. God's salvation needs to be known among the nations. God's God's righteousness needs to be known among the nations, and God's goodness needs to be known among the nations. Look at verse 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, let all the ends of the earth fear him. In those two verses, God's goodness is seen in two ways. First of all, 
God's goodness is displayed through His blessing us. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. I want you to notice the way that's phrased. Has yielded, what tense is that? Past tense, isn't it? But look what else it says. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us, future tense. Guys, that's the way we need to live our lives. God has blessed us. God has given us an increase. God had promised the nation of Israel when they went into the promised land. We won't turn to the verse and look at it, but God promised them when they went into the promised land. If you'll follow me, if you'll listen to me, I'll bless you. You'll have crops, you'll have vineyards, and all that will continue to grow. But if you forget me, all that's going to dry up. And you'll not have the blessing of all those things. He's saying God has blessed in the past, and God shall bless us in the future. Guys, we need to live out our Christian faith in ways that invite the blessing of God. And here's why. Other people need to see the goodness of God in our lives. There are a lot of people right now in our culture that don't see the goodness of God. There, there's many people that want to point fingers at the president or whoever they want to point fingers at and make all of this his fault or their fault or, or that person's fault. You know what a lot of other people are doing? They're pointing fingers at God and saying, God, this must be your fault. God, why would you let this happen? God, how in the world can you let a coronavirus take place? The same people that ask questions about, God, how can this baby be born like this? God, how that tragedy can happen. God, how can this tragedy happen? Now, the world won't accept this answer, but here's the answer, guys. We live in a fallen world. Amen? The world we live in isn't the world that God wanted us to experience. We live in a fallen, messed up world because of sin. And so many people, as I prayed a minute ago, so many people are concerned about this virus that will eventually, I think it's eventually going to pass. We prayed about it a minute ago. Maybe God will make it dry up this afternoon. I don't know. But it's eventually going to pass. But right now, they're so concerned about this virus that doesn't have a solution. And we've got this virus called sin that I mentioned earlier that has a solution, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to communicate that we have experienced the goodness of God in our lives because God wants to yield an increase. I'm not talking about just a physical harvest, but a spiritual harvest. We need to so display the goodness of God in our lives in appreciation for the goodness of God in our lives that he can reap a a spiritual harvest in our world by people seeing the faith that we have in God. God's goodness also should motivate the world to honor him. Verse 7 said, God bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Guys, according to that verse, the blessing of God in our lives ought to impact all the ends of the earth. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we ask you to give to special offerings. That's why I want to thank you for giving last week to Zach Beck and me were out of town, but you can look in the updates, a little bit over $800 that we raised. You can still give there if you want to because they've got extra expenses where they're having to stay right now outside of where their normal missionary field is. But uh, you know what? That allows us to help support them even more. Through the cooperative program, through our, our Christmas offering, through our Easter offering that's coming up. We've not said much about it yet, but our goal is going to be $10,000 for our Easter offering. And we're going to send 70% of that to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering to help reach people in North America with the gospel. And then 30% of it we're going to set aside to help church plants. And we're going to use it in that direction. But guys, as, as we give and as we live out our faith, guys, the purpose of it is this. It's in order that the ends of the earth might be impacted to the ends of the earth that they may fear him. And that word fear doesn't necessarily mean they're afraid of God, that he's in heaven with a lightning bolt waiting to get them. That's not what the word means. It means they're to stand in awe of God. They're to reverence God. Because of them seeing the blessing in our lives. God bless us so the ends of the earth will stand in awe of you, will revere you. The ends of the earth includes places like China, Guatemala. John and Betty Stem 
After his death, some of his friends in America who knew John said, here was some of his favorite Bible verses. The first one was Isaiah 26, verse 3. As I read this, I suggest you write it down. And I hope you'll make this your banner (laughs) as everybody else is so scared of the coronavirus and everything taking place in our culture. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says this, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You want to know how to have perfect peace? You'll not have perfect peace listening to the news media. You'll not have perfect peace listening to the politicians. You'll not have perfect peace sitting around and worrying about, I wonder if I can get some toilet paper at the grocery store. If you want perfect peace in your life, let your mind be stayed upon God. Let your mind be focused upon Him. And as you focus upon Him, you can experience peace. A second favorite verse of John Stams was this, Hebrews 13, 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man can do to me. I'll not fear what coronavirus might do to me. I'll not fear what my circumstances might do to me because God is my helper. Daniel Aiken in his book, <clears throat> 10 That Changed the World, tells the rest of the story about John and Betty Stam. They are in their home in China one night, and communist forces came into the house. Betty was over there washing their three-month-old baby, giving her a bath. They came in, and they arrested John and took him out of the house. A little while later, they came back, and they arrested Betty and took her out of the house along with their three-month-old baby girl. They allowed John to write out a letter to the missionary board he served, saying that the communists there in China that was holding him are asking for $20,000 in order to release them. The letter never made it to the mission board before they lost their lives. They went and cleared out a a local jail to make room to put John and Betty Stam in jail one night, that first night they'd been arrested. And they set the prisoners free in order to put them in jail. The communist guards were overheard talking among themselves, let's kill the baby because the baby's in our way. And a man standing close by Said, why, why do that? Don't do that. That baby's not done anything to you. And they said, who are you? And he, he said, I'm one of the prisoners that you just let out of the jail. And he said, that baby's not done anything to you. And they looked at the man and they said, are, are you willing to die in the place of this baby? And then they hacked him to death in front of John and Betty Stam. <clears throat> the next day, they started taking John and Betty Stam on a 12-mile march. Along the way, they stopped in the vacant house of a wealthy man and used that as their prison for that night. And they kept John tied up. And they let Betty be free to where she could care for their baby. But she did more than care for the baby. That'll come into the story in just a minute. The next day, they leave the house. And John and Betty are stripped of their outer clothing. And they're being marched through the streets. Someone called over to John who knew they were missionaries and they asked him, where are you going? And John's reply was, I don't know where they're going, but we're going to heaven. As they continued on this march, they were stripped of their outer clothing, stripped of their shoes. John was walking barefoot because he took his socks off and gave them to his wife, showing his care and concern for her. They come into this town and they compel all the residents in the town to come out and watch. And they're making fun and they're making sport of, uh, of John and 
Betty Stamm. And this man that was known to be a lukewarm Christian who uh, dealt in medicine, uh, sold medicine to people. Uh, he was a, a Chinese believer, but he's really lukewarm in his faith. He came over and started, started pleading for the life of John and Betty. So they arrested that man, went to his house, found a Bible and found a hymnal, and they put him in line to be executed also. John Stam started pleading for the life of this man they had just arrested because he had a Bible and a hymnal. And the leader of that communist group told him to kneel down, and he knelt down. And while John was speaking softly, more than likely praying, I guess, the man took a sword and beheaded him in front of his wife. Betty didn't scream out. Instead, she just fell over on her husband, quivering. And the man with the same sword took the same sword that had beheaded her husband and beheaded her. I'm sorry, guys. Does some of these missionary stories, maybe all these missionary stories we've been focusing on, doesn't it, doesn't it maybe ask you just a little bit, what am I risking for the gospel? Because in relatively safety, you can share the gospel here in America. You can tell people about Jesus. You can invite people to church. We get over 100, we might sneak them in somewhere. (laughs) These two were beheaded because of their faith in Jesus. News got out, and a lot of Christian Chinese went to hide in the jungle. One of the men that was hiding in the jungle with them was a Chinese evangelist by the name of Mr. Lo. Mr. Lo arranged for someone to go and get the the bodies of John and Betty Stam and, and, and bury them. And then he started hearing stories about a baby that had been left behind in a house. So he and some others rushed to the house and looked around the house and they found three-month-old Helen wrapped up in a sleeping bag, being without food for two days. So they cared for the baby and they ministered to the baby and they started trying to figure out how they could, could get Helen safely out of the area. And he found two men that were willing to take her and some other Christian children and try and get them out of the area where there's so many communists were at the time. But the men wanted some money, and this evangelist, Chinese evangelist, Mr. Lowe, didn't have any money because the communists had already taken all of his money. So he's looking around in the sleeping bag, and he's finding some extra clothes and diapers and things like that 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 Betty had left there with her daughter. And he begins looking between the clothing, and he finds two $5 bills that she had pinned to the clothing. And he was able to take those two $5 bills and pay those men to take baby Helen and other Christian children and get them out of the area. They delivered her to another missionary. And the missionary was able to hide her and make arrangements for her to be returned to America. Eventually, she's returned to America. She lives with her maternal grandparents until she's five years old. And then she moves to the Philippines because her aunt on her mom's side was a missionary in the Philippines. And she moves to the the Philippines at age five and lives her life in a missional family in the Philippines. Even though her two parents lost their lives. Eventually, she's old enough to go to college. She comes back to America. She goes to college, and then she starts working as a youth worker in her denomination. John and Betty were buried on a hillside after the execution for their faith in Christ on their gravestones. On John Cornelius Stam's gravestone, it said January 18th, 19. 
and 7. This verse was carved on the gravestone that Christ may be glorified whether by life or death. Philippians 1.20 On Betty's gravestone, February 22nd, 1906, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. In other words, guys, you've heard me preach that before. Things picked up. Things got better. The moment she lost her life, the moment they beheaded her, she went straight to be, straight to be in the presence of Jesus. Things got better. The brutal murders of John and Betty Sam caused shock and grief all across the world. But at the same time, the miraculous preservation of baby Helen's life was a cause for great celebration. The missionary life and martyrdom of John and Betty Stamp was used by God to call multitudes of young Christians to the mission field. Betty's younger brother, Kenneth, who was also a missionary, would later say, I'm a Christian, and I can see God's hand behind it all. Now, do I need to spell it out for you? He said, I can see my sister and my brother-in-law being beheaded, being part of God's plan. In God's work, the value of life lived for him is measured not by the length, but the quality of service and by the fulfillment of his purpose for that life. Surely his purposes were fulfilled in Betty and John, and they are being fulfilled. So their service was complete. John's brother, who was also a missionary in the Congo, wrote these words, How sad, yet how glorious. How sad to think of the sin and hatred in the heart of man, and death is still an enemy. But how glorious the welcome that was theirs in heaven as they met their Lord and Savior face to face. John Stem also wrote this earlier in his life. And I want you to listen to these words because you need to apply these words in these days. The faithfulness of God is the only certain thing in the world today. We need not fear the results of trust in Him. Did you hear that? Guys, I would write that down and I'd let that be your banner for a little while. The faithfulness of God is the only certain thing in the world. Not the faithfulness of government, not the faithfulness of politician, not the faithfulness of health care, not the faithfulness of anything else upon this planet, not the faithfulness of you or the faithfulness of me. The only thing that's certain, the only thing we can bank on, the only thing we know that will never change is the faithfulness of God in this world. And we need to trust in Him being faithful no matter what it is we're going through. Would you join me in prayer? Father, yeah, our precious Lord Jesus, Father, we pray that you be gracious to us and bless us and make your face shine upon us, that your way and your power of salvation might be known among all nations. Father, we pray you help us to love you more than we fear men or what men might do to us or circumstances that we face in life. Help us to love you more. Help us to trust you more than anything else in our lives or in this earth. Father, we pray you bless us as you did John and Betty Stam, that we might be used to, to change our world. Father, in these uncertain times and these times when so many people are fearful and looking for hope, help us to be a shining beacon. Help us to be the ones that, that, that show forth your grace and show forth your blessing and show forth your face having shined upon us in a way that helps them know that you're in control, that helps them know they need to trust in your powerful salvation. Father, if there's anyone this morning gathered here or listening online to our live feed that, that doesn't know Christ as Savior, Father, give them the faith that they need. 
Father, if there's anyone here, anyone listening online, especially those from the congregation of Day 3 Church that listen online today, and and they've been caught up in in fearfulness, in, in panic. Father, teach us, help us to look beyond our circumstances and look to you and understand you're the one that's faithful. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you need to trust Christ as Savior today, if you're someone that's never done so, we invite you to come. I'm going to sit right here and I'm going to pray. I'm not scared of you to come and talk to me if you're not scared to talk to me. I'm not worried about it. I think God will take care of that. If you need Christ as your Savior, why not come today? Or if you need to come and kneel and pray and say, God, I'm, I've been kind of lukewarm. God, I'm not risking much. God, I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm just kind of in a, in a safe type environment in my faith, and I'm not risking much for the gospel. And God, I'm really challenged by hearing about these missionaries who, who gave all for the gospel. Maybe you need to come and pray and, and say, God, help me to be more active sharing your faith in a lost world. Please stand. God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. Pastor Lynn has given us a lot to consider today. It can be very difficult to keep our focus when circumstances are hard. I'm thankful that in those times, God remains faithful. Maybe you would like to talk to someone about how you can impact your world for Christ in a greater way. Maybe you would like to know more about what it means to follow Jesus. Would you please contact us? You can reach out to us through our website, day3church.org, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We care about you and we want to connect with you. We're here to help. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstance and his mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.